Hello, 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 friends. It is Chloe from The Money Bear, better known as Club Bear Money Coach. And if you are watching the YouTube video, one of our like four subscribers who watches the podcast instead of listening to it, um, you will see that I look like a hella mess <laughs> because my life has been nothing short of chaotic right now. I'm like trying to organize the flyaways and not look so shiny and greasy because I just sat down and I was like, I need to really record an episode because I'm so behind. What should I do? And I was like, wait, I have a bajillion questions from people that I can answer on a podcast episode. So we are going to cover your guys's questions. So if you follow me on Instagram, you know, occasionally I'll do a little ask me a money question in my Instagram stories. And that is where I am sourcing these questions from today. So if you are ever in my stories and you see that, use that as an opportunity to ask your questions because you never know, it could end up in a podcast episode. So we will get right to it. Like I said, my life has been chaotic, so I'm going to aim for this to be about 30 minutes. We'll see. I don't know if that's possible, but we're going to dive right in. Before we do, though, friendly reminder to please rate, review, and subscribe. It literally means the world to me if you do that. It helps us grow. It reminds me that you want us to keep doing these episodes, and I absolutely love your reviews. Like They make my day, so thank you. All right, let's get to it. Okay, so um, the very first question that I have on my list is, what do you do about transferring an account you already have? For example, Robinhood to TD Ameritrade. Now, I get this question all of the time, and I'm happy to tell you that it's pretty simple to do a transfer. So actually, just a couple weeks ago, I had my mom transfer from TD Ameritrade to Fidelity because she had heard me talk about how much I love Fidelity. And she was like, I want to get in on this Fidelity. And so we went online and you start the process with the new brokerage you want to use. So my mom was doing a taxable brokerage to a taxable brokerage, which just means there's no tax benefits on the account. It's not an IRA. It's not a 401k. And we went to Fidelity, went to open an account. And as you're going through like the steps to open an account, at some point, Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, whoever you're working with, they're going to ask you, how are you going to fund this account? And so what I did, or what we did, is you click from another account. It's going to be a transfer. It's going to be from another account. And then they will ask you something along the lines of, do you want to move the investments in that account to this account. And for that, you can either select yes or no if you want to just liquidate the account and move over the cash. So those are kind of your options when we're working with like transferring a taxable brokerage to another taxable brokerage. If you're doing the like, I want to keep my same investments, just transfer the investments over, you shouldn't have any taxable events. So that's why you might choose that option over liquidating the account, because if you liquidate the account and you have capital gains, you're going to have to report that on your income and pay capital gains tax on those. So in order to avoid that, you want to do that trustee to trustee transfer. 
also known as an ACAT transfer, A-C-A-T transfer, where they're taking the investments that you have in the old account and they're essentially just moving them on over to the new account. If you have questions in the process, like especially if you're using Fidelity, no, this isn't sponsored by Fidelity. I wish it was. It's pretty easy to just give them a call and they'll walk you through any questions that you have. But there's also for pretty much every single brokerage that you're trying to transfer into, I guarantee you there's a YouTube video somewhere. (laughs) So definitely use YouTube. I mean, come on. YouTube is an amazing resource that I think people forget about all the time. So, but yes, that process should be relatively simple for you. And since you're using Robinhood, I'm assuming it's a taxable brokerage account. If you're doing like a Roth to Roth or a traditional to traditional, the process is pretty much exactly the same. You just really want to make sure that you're not liquidating anything or you're not withdrawing because if you're withdrawing, that sets a ticking clock that will essentially give you, I think it's 60 days to get that money into the new account. If you don't get it in time, well, then you're going to have a withdrawal. And a withdrawal is not great because then you're going to have to pay taxes and a penalty on it. So I hope that answers your question. It's a question I get all the time. Okay. So let's see here. The next question I had is what did you read or what resources did you find that helped you in your financial literacy? So I actually have all of the resources that I use to educate myself. Well, not all of them, but most of them, like my favorite ones inside of my free guide. And you can get that at moneyrightguide.com. Again, that's moneyrightguide.com. And we have that in the show notes too. But I'll give you my top three favorites because most of the stuff that I did to educate myself was free. That's what I love telling people is like, you can absolutely learn this stuff for free. It's going to take you longer. You might make some mistakes, but you can absolutely learn this stuff for free. So my blog is called Millennial Revolution. And Millennial Revolution, they also wrote a book called Quit Like a Millionaire, but they're actually Canadian. But everything that they wrote about in their Investing 101 series, they made it relate to both Canada and the US. So incredible blog, but I don't know if I use them precisely for my investing education. It was more like they were my inspiration to even pursue financial independence to like, like looking at their blog made me so jealous. And so I was like, well, if you're jealous, it's a sign that you want to do this, Chloe. So go out and do it. And so I did. (laughs) And look at us now. But they do have an amazing investing series that's completely free. They've got tons of blog posts and they have a book as well. So I absolutely love Millennial Revolution. That is, again, links to all of that is in that free guide that I mentioned at moneyrightguide.com. The second, I have to mention a podcast because I listen to so many podcasts. One of my favorites was Choose FI. Choose FI is a huge brand They're really kind of like a go-to resource for people who are looking to retire early. And I would binge listen to their podcast. I just loved hearing stories of people who were making a lot less money than me, who were making more money, who were making the same amount, achieving things that I never thought were possible with their finances. So I found that really inspiring, but I also love that they have local communities. So like if you want to hang out with other people who are finance nerds or get inspired by them, there's local meetups. And when I was in Chicago, I actually held or hosted a couple of meetups myself and made some friends that way because I love talking about money. It's my favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) So that is a great podcast and community. And then if I had to recommend one book, 
This is so lame, but the book that really changed my perspective on money was The Millionaire Next Door. It's like a classic. It's written by Thomas Stanley. There's two of them, actually. So there's The Millionaire Next Door, and then there's The Next Millionaire Next Door written by his son. I loved it just because it helped me switch from this mindset of like wealth is all about buying stuff and having the best house and the best car and the best whatever, clothes, designer, shit, I don't know, to really understanding that actually wealth is whatever you want it to be. And personally, now that I have been on this journey for a while, wealth doesn't necessarily mean those things to me. And having those things, having all these nice things, sure, it would be a great perk. But what matters to me even more is just the freedom and peace that comes with having my money right. So that really helped me shift my perspective when I was early on in my financial journey, because I just, I mean, I was such a spender and that really just inspired me that if I ever want to build wealth, I really need to address my spending habits. So those I would say are my top three recommendations. And then I have like 12 recommendations in that free guide. And again, that guide is at moneyrightguide.com. Okay. Somebody asked, how do you invest in the S&P 500? Like where would I go? So the S&P 500 is an index that contains 500 of the largest stocks inside of it in the U.S. And it's essentially made, it's a market cap weighted index, which means that the larger the company, the larger the share is inside of the index. Now you can't just buy the index. I know that's weird because I talk about index funds and investing in the S&P 500 all the time, but you can't just like go buy the index. What you do to purchase the index essentially is you buy an index fund that is mirroring that index. So for example, the S&P 500 index, there are lots and lots of index funds out there that are like, our goal is to mirror what the S&P 500 is doing. And every company has a different way of achieving that. But for example, if you wanted to buy the S&P 500 index, you would buy something like FXAIX or VO, two different index funds from different companies. That's entire goal is to mirror the index. So if the S&P 500 goes up 10%, well, guess what? VO or FXAIX is also supposed to go up 10%. Now, there is usually like a tiny bit of variance because you can't perfectly mirror the S&P 500 index, but usually the variance is like 0.02% or 0.1%. And it's usually accounted for in the fees of the index fund. So that's why having a low fee index fund is so important. So where do you go to buy that? You can go to Fidelity, which is my favorite. Fidelity allows you to buy with as little as a dollar. You can buy Vanguard index ETFs for no fees, but Fidelity has their own index funds as well. So I like Fidelity. I also like Vanguard. I like Vanguard, but Vanguard, you know, Vanguard, I don't think makes it as easy to invest, but they do have some really fantastic funds that have been around for a really long time. And Yeah, those are my two favorites. I like M1 Finance as well, but it's not my favorite. So there's a lot of good brokerages out there, though. You don't have to go with Fidelity or Vanguard. Those just happen to be my favorites. So I hope that helps you, poster. Okay, let's see here. What other question? Somebody asked, would you ask for more 401k match or stock options with the salary, immediate vesting with the 401k and a longer 401k vesting period for stocks? Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, if it were me, it depends on what investments inside of the 401k are available to me. I think I would rather go with a higher match in the 401k because that's just a 100% return on your money, which you can't really get anywhere else. And if they have good investment options, I like the ability to buy what I want, not 
just only get the stock options from the company. So it depends. I mean, if it was a company like Amazon or Apple or, you know, some big tech company, obviously, if you're getting their stock options, you have that potential to make a lot of money with those stock options. But you're also going to experience a little bit more volatility because we all know independent stocks are volatile. especially when you're working with something like a growth company or a tech company. So if you're comfortable with that level of volatility and you want that opportunity potentially to make a lot more money, then you would probably want to go the stock options route. But if you are not comfortable with that level of volatility or it's not a company that you really do want to have that much exposure in, then personally, I would probably go with the extra match. The extra match, if they're willing to do that, would be clutch. Because again, that is 100% return on your money. 100%. 100%. That's kind of cool, right? Like I would take that. I would absolutely take that. So I'll be curious. I'm curious what other people would do. So if you have an opinion, let me know. <laughs> here I am just talking to the audience. You know where to find me. You know where to find me. All right, let's see here. How do I learn to invest? I love that question. My friend, I have a podcast for you. I have a blog for you. I have a free guide. I have a free investing class at investing. What is the investing class? Lazyinvestingclass.com. I just got new links, but those links are in the show notes. So I have tons of free resources to get you started. I have paid options too, but you're not required to do the paid options. I've got tons and tons of free content for you to get started. The way that I learned was through free content. But what I will tell you is I made a million dollars mistake along the way. And I probably made more than that because I took the slow route. Had I had the option to do something like a course, I bet I would have hopped on that so fast because I really did not know what I was doing. And at the time when I was learning how to do it, there really weren't a lot of courses out there that were affordable. Most of the courses were like day trading courses that were like five grand or something ridiculous like that. And I don't think there was any course while I was learning that like, at least that I knew of, that was the right kind of investing that I wanted to do. So that is why I created the Lazy Investors course. But Like I said, we mentioned a few resources earlier about learning how to invest, but I promise you, if you are on this journey and like, I don't know what I'm doing, this is too overwhelming, I don't know, it's really not as hard as you think it's going to be. I promise. It's more like learning a language rather than learning the math. So I hope that helps. Number one thing you got to do is you got to open an account. You got to either a taxable brokerage or a Roth IRA or an IRA, you got to open that account. And then when you open the account, you got to connect a bank account to it or some kind of funding, whether that's from an old account or whether it's, I mean, most of the time it's coming from your bank account. And then you got to transfer that money. And then when that money gets transferred, you have to buy investments. So we have tons of free education to get you started on that. I hope that helps. Lots of links in the show notes, my friends. Okay, let's see here. Somebody said, do you recommend a percentage or a set money amount for contributing to both a pre-tax deferral and post-tax Roth? So this person is probably talking about like a 401k and they're doing both traditional 401k contributions and Roth 401k contributions in terms of like how much to do in each is really, it's a guessing game. Nobody knows what's going to happen to taxes in the future, even if we can speculate and think that maybe taxes are going to go up or maybe they're going to go down or maybe you're going to leave the country and you're not going to have to pay any taxes. Who knows? There's really no way to know for sure. The only thing we know for sure is what tax rate you're at right now. And that is the benefit of using a Roth account, whether Roth IRA or Roth 401k. Now, 
you're not going to get any tax benefits right now. So if you're a high income earner, that may not be appealing to you, but you are going to have that security in knowing that everything inside of that Roth 401k account, except for the employer match, is going to be completely tax-free when you pull it out. That's kind of nice, right? Rather than having to pay taxes in retirement, where money might be more of a concern, you don't have to worry about that. So I think you have to ask yourself, well, you know, which of these things do I want to prioritize more? Which of these things is more important to me? And for me, right now as a business owner who is earning more than I ever thought I would earn, I go the traditional route because I want the tax breaks now because I think I'll have a little bit more control over my tax bracket in the future. But some people will be like, Chloe, you don't know that. You don't know that you should have gone the Roth route. Yeah, I'm willing to take that risk. So I go the traditional route, but I'm not everyone. I'm not probably even standard. I think for most people, the Roth account makes the more sense because you're able to just not worry about paying taxes ever again in the future. All that money that you're making inside of that account, you're not going to have to pay taxes on. And that is pretty cool. That is pretty dope, I would say. So I hope that helps. It doesn't really give you an answer to what percentage or what money amount do I recommend. I think that if you are really struggling and you're like, I don't know, I don't know. First, it's a high class problem to have. If these are the kind of questions that you're asking yourself, those are good problems because you're actually investing. You're doing the work of investing. But if you're trying to optimize and it's keeping you up at night, you could always do a 50-50 split so that you have options. You have tax diversification in retirement rather than I only have Roth money or I only have traditional money. So I hope that helps, my friend. Okay. So any else asked, put money into own house to rent as an Airbnb or invest it in index funds. I think these questions are so funny because it's like, oh my God, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know the information on your Airbnb. I don't know what the market is requesting. I don't know your lifestyle preferences, but I'm going to give you my opinion anyway. So this is all with my very biased opinion and with the information that you gave me, which was one sentence. Here's the thing with Airbnb and fixing up your home to prepare it for an Airbnb. That's going to take time. It's going to cost money and it's also going to take a lot of work. You're going to have to manage it. You're going to have to post it. You're going to have to get renters in there. You're going to have to do all of those things. And then if anything goes wrong in the renting process, whose responsibility is it to fix it? Well, unless you have a property manager, it's going to be your responsibility to fix it. Now, a lot of people go the Airbnb route because they're more interested in bringing in money right now. Investing in index funds is not going to bring you in money right now. What it's going to do is it's going to help you for your future 10, 20, 30 years down the line. But it is not going to address a solution to cash flow, to bringing in income right now. Okay. So these are really two very different things with two very different goals. Now, you already own the house. So you're going to benefit from any appreciation that house will have someday. But in terms of cash flowing the house, you really have to ask yourself, am I willing to put in the money to potentially cash flow my property, make money from it and either reinvest it into the business, use that money for my living expenses or use that money to invest? So the Airbnb option is absolutely an option, especially if you are deciding that I want cash flow now, I want money now, I don't want to just invest for my future the lazy way through index funds, 
I also need to make some money right now. So that's what I'd say. If that is your bigger concern is getting money right now, then you should probably be focusing on something like the Airbnb or whatever it is that you want to bring money in right now. But if you're like, I'm just trying to retire someday and I don't really want to do a lot, index funds, baby, index funds. And here's the thing too, you don't have to do completely all or nothing. In fact, I think that it's a mistake to only do one or the other. If you're able to do a little bit of both, I think that's where you really find your sweet spot. You know, cash flow may be an issue and you've got to choose one over the other. And that's the question I think you have to ask yourself. What is more important, building wealth long-term or investing now to be able to start developing some passive income? That's one of the things that I don't have enough of. So I recognize that I'm certainly not the expert, but It is true in that index funds, it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to make a lot of money in the next 30 days or the next three months or the next six months. It's going to take years, if not decades. So that's what you got to keep in mind when you're comparing the two, because they're very different things. I hope that helps my friend. That was a good question. That was an interesting question. I know I made fun of it for, you know, not being specific, but I do still really enjoy the question. All right, let's see here. Best high yield savings account or CD that you recommend? So I don't currently use any CDs. CDs are certificate of deposits. CDs are like a guaranteed way for you to make whatever interest rate you purchase the CD at. I know a lot of them are around four to five percent right now, which is fantastic. They've been way lower than that in the recent years. So they're a really great option if you are able to lock up your money for a few years. So CDs, most of the time, you have to lock your money up between six months to a year. And the longer you lock that money up for, the more interest you earn. So the perfect scenario for somebody to use a CD is like saving for a house, saving for some kind of future major purchase, whether it's a car or a wedding or something along those lines where you can actually lock that money up. The high yield savings account is the perfect place for your emergency fund for any money that you might need in the next month two months, three months, at any time, essentially, an emergency fund. We don't know when those emergencies are going to happen. That's why they become emergencies. So the high-yield savings account that I use, Ally, A-L-Y, that is in my free guide. A link to it is in my free guide. It's not an affiliate link because I don't think they do affiliates, but that's the one I've been using for years. Right now, I think the interest rate that they're paying is like almost 4%, which is great. It just goes along with the federal interest rate. So it's going to change as the federal interest rate goes up. So does the interest rate that your high yield savings account is paying you. And as the interest rates go down as well, also, so goes our interest rate and our high yield savings accounts. Yeah, I would say Ally is my favorite just because I've used them the longest. They have no fees. They even removed any fees. Like So with all high yield savings accounts, if you withdraw more than six times a month, there's a fee. I think it's like $20 to withdraw anything over six times a month. Ally actually waived all of those feeds during the pandemic, and they are still waived to help people out, essentially. So I think they're a fantastic bank. They don't have fees. I've never paid a fee. And yeah, I like their savings buckets, too, because they help me organize. Like I have the emergency fund bucket. I have the tax paying bucket. I have the living expenses bucket. So it just helps me organize my finances. And it also gives me an extra interest rate. Now, Ally is not the top paying high yield savings accounts. I know that there are other accounts out there. Like I think Marcus is a little over 4%. And then they also have a referral program that gives you bonuses. So I know Marcus is great. I know a lot of people like SoFi. There's tons of them out there. What I look for is I just make sure there's no minimums. I'm not paying any fees. 
and they have a competitive rate. Right now, anything around 4% is pretty competitive. So like I said, my ally, I want to say is close to that. I just can't remember what it is currently and it changes all the time. And then I also use Yotta, Y-O-T-T-A. Again, that is in the free guide, moneyguideright.com. The reason I still have Yotta is because when interest rates are really low, I actually make more money in my Yotta account than what I do through a traditional high yield savings account. Yotta, again, not sponsored, but Yotta is kind of gamifying savings accounts. They essentially, when you have money inside of the Yotta account that is saved, not in their DeFi products, do not use their DeFi products, but when you have it in their savings account, every single week, they give you Yotta lottery tickets. And you get entered into a lottery to win up to a Tesla and I think like a hundred grand. I have never won a Tesla or a hundred grand, but there's been times where I've won like 20 bucks or I've won 50 bucks or I've won a hundred. Most of the time they're low, you know, I'm winning like $3 or something along those lines. But when interest rates are low for high yield savings accounts, Yada is where I will be transferring all of my savings to so that I can get you know, more money for what my savings is. So that's kind of why I have both of them. I still keep a little bit in Yada, even though interest rates are a lot higher right now. But like I said, the second we go back down to like 0.5 or even 1.2%, I will be moving all of my savings back to Yada. So those are the two that I use. They both serve different purposes, but I hope that helps. And again, don't spend too much time stressing over what high yield savings account to use. They're all so similar. Just make sure it's FDIC insured. There are no minimums and there are no fees. So I think we have time for one more question and then I got to get ready for my free class. My free class is in about an hour and 15 minutes as I'm recording this. Like I said, things have been chaotic, my friends. So let's look at this here. Okay, somebody said, my Roth IRA is already maxed, so should I continue to contribute in my cash brokerage account? I'm not sure what she means by cash brokerage account. I think she means like taxable brokerage account maybe. But yeah, I mean, so if you have already maxed out a Roth IRA, first celebrate. That's fantastic. Proud of you. Good job. That's $6,500 in 2023. And if you're over the age of 50, that's an extra $1,000 too. But you have essentially two options. If you have a workplace plan, like a 401k, 457, 403b, whatever, you can also focus on maxing out that. The limit is $22,500 in 2023, but that can't exceed the amount of money that you make. If you want to go that route, you just need to make sure that you like your 401k and you like the investment options in your 401k. So that is one option. And the reason I like that option is because it's automated behaviorally. It really helps make sure that thing actually happens. Now, on the flip side, you could just use the taxable brokerage account. The taxable brokerage account isn't going to give you any tax benefits right now, but it gives you ultimate ease of access. You get to pick what brokerage you use. You get to pick what investments you use. You get to pick pretty much whatever you want, but you're not going to get any tax benefits. When you get paid dividends, if you make any capital gains, meaning you buy something at $100, you sell it for $200, and you made a $100 profit, you're going to have to report that on your taxes every year. So, Keep that in mind. With the 401k, you don't have to do all of that. You don't have to worry about paying taxes while you're contributing to the 401k. You don't have to worry about, you know, dividend payments and things along those lines. You will have to pay in retirement if it's traditional, but it'll grow tax-free if it's a Roth. So that's kind of the thing to consider. Yeah, I think that's it, right? 
Am I missing something, guys? <laughs> I can't remember. Like I said, my brain's a little bit fried from the last couple of days. So I'm glad you guys asked good questions because I was like, you know what? This is what our episode's going to be for this week because Chloe needs a nap. <laughs> So I hope you guys found this helpful. If you did find it helpful, let me know by reaching out to me on my Instagram account. If you like these, if you have a question that you want to submit, I think we'll probably do more of these because you guys have good questions. So thank you all for joining. I hope you have a good rest of your day and I'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Money Bear Podcast. If you've made it this far, do us a favor, take two seconds, rate, review, and subscribe. It seriously means the world to me. And if you just take a sec to do that, I will appreciate you endlessly. And if you do, let me know on Instagram and I'll thank you personally. So got that. And of course, since we were talking about anything financial on this show, please note that nothing on this show is intended as financial advice. I don't know you, unfortunately. And because of that, I cannot tell you what to do with your money. You got to work with a financial professional who knows your situation, who is preferably a fiduciary. And keep in mind that everything that we talk about on this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It's all my opinion. So there's that. If you want to see our full terms and conditions, head on over to the show notes. And while you're there, we've got free resources for you to get started on your money journey down in the show notes as well, including a free guide to help you with your budgeting templates and budgeting tutorials and investing 101, understanding the different accounts that are out there. All that good stuff is inside of my free guide, which is also available at thelazyinvestorscourse.com slash guide. And if you're ready to take our relationship to the next level, I am also hosting a monthly investing class. And that investing class, you can find the times we're offering it this month at thelazyinvestorscourse.com slash webinar. That link is in the show notes as well. And that's where you have the chance to meet me live and ask those money questions live. It's a good time. We've had over 20,000 people as of recording this join or register. And yeah, it's always nice to meet you guys. So I hope to see you there again. All that is available down in the show notes. So thank you again for coming and listening. I appreciate you and I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.